0: Today you're listening to episode 199, and this is my live podcast recording from the New York Roadrunners Run Hub. In New York City that I did last week, I sat down with Jeff Dengate, runner-in-chief for Runner's World, Rebecca Kennedy, master tread instructor at Peloton, and Mateo Ortega, director of integrations and devices at Strava. We discussed the rapidly evolving space of technology and how it is impacting our global running community. A great, fun conversation. If you came to the event, thanks so much. And a big thanks to the New York Roadrunners for having me out to New York City for another show. If you are in the New York City area, check out the New York Roadrunners Run Center. It is such an inclusive space for the running community. And they have a supportive staff that will help you meet your fitness goals. They have all kinds of classes that they do out of the center. They have group runs, yoga, Pilates, strength and hit, stretching and recovery. And they have all kinds of talks and training series. This is a really great organization to be a part of. And to learn more, you guys can go to nyrr.org. And before we get this conversation going with the wonderful Jeff, Rebecca, and Mateo, I want to thank Sweaty Buddy for supporting this episode of the podcast. I was actually able to pop into a Sweaty Buddy storefront when I was in New York last weekend, which was super fun. Got my hands on every item, every apparel piece in that store. Their clothes are so, so cute and fashionable. So Sweaty Buddy is a London-based women's activewear brand, and their products are engineered to last they have quality fabrics that flatter the body with their bum sculpting technology yep they're gonna make your bum look great one of my favorite pieces of apparel from them are the zero gravity leggings i wear them all the time and i'm actually really excited that fall's coming up because i'm gonna get to wear them even more They're constructed of a unique Italian fabric that is not only lightweight, but also sweat wicking with killer compression technology to keep you in place no matter how tough your workout is. All right, you all can try out Sweaty Buddy when you go to sweatybuddy.com and use the code ANOTHER to get 20% off your order. I promise you, you will not be disappointed in the quality of their apparel and how it looks and makes you feel that's most important to me, how it makes me feel. I want to feel strong and I want to feel powerful and I want to look good. Okay. And the sweaty buddy helps me do that. So again, go to sweatybuddy.com and use the code another for 20% off your order. All right, friends really hope you enjoy this conversation with Jeff, Rebecca and Mateo.
1: All right. Well, uh, good afternoon, everybody. How are we doing on the front row here? Just thumbs up. I figured you had coffee, you've had a bagel, like, you know. We won't, we won't pick on you too bad. But again, I, everybody, welcome to the NYR Run Center featuring the New Balance Run Hub. I'm Steven Allen Wilson, and welcome, on behalf of our entire NYRR team, to our second annual RunnerCon. Uh, this morning we've talked about, uh, let's see, the future of youth running. We've talked to some of the ladies running the New Balance Fifth Avenue mile today. Now we're gonna talk about something very near and dear to all of our hearts as runners, and that, of course, is uh, technology and running and how that's changing and evolving on a daily basis. Uh, Please do me a favor, let's welcome our panel and uh, we'll get down to to a nice little conversation. Uh, First and foremost, please welcome the host of I'll Have Another with Lindsey Hine, Miss Lindsey Hine. Please welcome the runner in chief for Runner's World, Jeff Dengate. Please welcome master tread instructor at Peloton, and I need to take some lessons, uh, Rebecca Kennedy. And then please welcome the Director of Integrations and Devices at Strava, Mateo Ortego. So Mateo, Rebecca, and Jeff, uh, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I can't wait to hear what uh, we're gonna dive into. And Tina, thank you, oh not Tina, I'm sorry, Lindsay. That's what we just had this conversation too. But uh, Lindsay, so much for, uh, for moderating the panel today and for being here as well. And I will turn it over to you.
0: Thank you, I'm, I'm not offended that you called me Tina. Tina's an awesome woman. Uh, Thank you all for being here. Thanks for filling the house. Come on, come on everybody, fill these seats please. Um, I'm honored to be in New York for my third live show here with the Roadrunners. This is always exciting to be here. Um, These are some amazing people doing awesome work in the tech industry in the running world. And I'd first just like to get a little bit of information from each of you about how you got started in this industry. So Jeff, if you want to start.
2: Yeah I've uh, been at Runner's World since 2007. I quit twice. Um, they keep bringing me back. Uh, I just started, I was a web geek um, years ago and I had worked in uh, media for the NBA and I threw a resume over to, the, uh, to Runner's World totally blind and they called me one day so uh, I have stuck around through various jobs and now I've worked my way up to runner in chief.
0: Yeah, I feel like the runner's world thing, when people start running, that would be their dream job. I want to work for runner's world. I want to do something for runner's world. So did that feel like that to you when you started working there?
2: Yeah, I I was a reader for 20 years before I started working there, but I never thought I would work there because the job was in Pennsylvania and I was here in New York. Um, But I could work in New York and go out to Pennsylvania every once in a while. Now I'm in Pennsylvania more often, but I'm still upstairs here in the Hearst Tower two days a week now. So it works out pretty well.
0: And Jeff is running the mile tomorrow, by the way, after doing a 20-mile long run. so
2: Is that a bad idea? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's going to run it on a, maybe some tired legs. It'll be slow. Yeah. He's training for the Chicago Marathon, and he's training to PR, so note. That's exciting. Okay, Rebecca, tell us how you got into Peloton.
3: Well, I've been with Peloton for about two years now, um, and I had been in the group fitness industry for, at that point, eight years. Um, and I was training the founder and, uh, and CEO of Peloton in my classes. So when they decided that the tread was the next thing, he was tapping me on the shoulder because I had been teaching treadmill and strength training classes for, for many, many years. And um, it felt like the most natural step. It was like the perfect role for me and everything that I had done up until that point. So it, yeah, I mean, I think it was just a luck of the draw that I had met him throughout my journey and I had been prepared to, to get there at that point, so.
0: Yeah, if you all haven't listened to the founder and CEO of Peloton, John Foley, on how I built this, make a note and go listen, because it is such an inspiring story how that business came about. Um, I was just telling Rebecca before this, when you hear someone talk about starting a business like that, and the amount of times they were told no before they were told yes by the amount of people that needed to say yes to make it happen, it's so inspiring because no feels really bad to hear, but you keep going and you start a company like Peloton. So go listen to that. All right, Mateo, tell us about your journey to Strava.
4: Yeah, so I started at Strava just over, uh, just under, sorry, eight years ago. I was the first Android engineer. I helped write our Android app. A lot of that code still exists, so if you have any problems, uh, find me afterwards. I'm more than happy to defer you to our support team. Um, these days, I have a weird title. It's Director of Integrations and Devices. Uh, the Devices thing just means I have a cool budget. I get to play with all the cool toys and call it work. But the, the integrations, the way to think about that is I do partnerships through data. Uh, so New York Road Roadrunners has these awesome virtual races. Part of it's hosted on New York Road Roadrunners. Part, part of it is hosted on Strava. There's a data connection there. Uh, Peloton has a cool integration. Um, Yeah, rides and runs, get uploaded to Strava, that's a data connection. A lot of you have run watches, all that data had to get into Strava and that took a lot of work and that's what I focus on.
0: I love it. So how many people when they started running wore a Timex watch that didn't have GPS? Anybody, am I the only one? Okay, yeah. My first marathon, I remember it was the San Diego Marathon and it was a Timex watch and I just kept looking down. I had no idea if I was running nine minute miles or eight minute miles. And then what about the Daily Mile? Was anybody on the Daily Mile? Am I just that old school? You ladies were? I feel like that's probably when I met you guys. Um, So that was like running social media in maybe 2011. When did Strava officially launch?
4: We turned 10 this year. Okay, So 2009 yeah so, so those so were the we were early around, adapters we were, yeah we were in the thousands at that point um so we were you know it was the early days of social media especially on the fitness side of the world it's
0: crazy to think how much it's changed so tell me in the last 10 years and then any, anybody can answer this um what are some of the biggest changes in technology that we've seen in the running running industry
4: yeah so i i personally i think there's there's two things that are really have really changed i think one is everyone you know runs with cell phones now or they have you know, devices that are connected. And, and for me, when I think about it, especially for runners, that's a, a big safety factor. You know, you can still run naked if you have an LTE connected watch. You can still have that experience you want of just running with your shorts and your in your bra or whatever. And, and you can still have that safety factor. And we've seen, there's been a real world case of this where it's actually saved people's lives, you know, because people could find them when they needed. And the, the other one, which I think is neat because everyone's recording stuff and we have all this data, um, companies like Strava, we can get this data in aggregate and we can help cities plan where to create trails and roads and help them figure out the infrastructure to make running and cycling better. And I think that's that was not possible 10 years ago.
3: I also think that it's been one of the most critical parts of actually creating a community for people. Um, Going from boutique gyms to the or sorry, big box gyms to then boutique gyms and then putting that into people's homes and giving them an opportunity to to still experience the same spirit of a a really fun and energetic class, but now you get that experience in your home and you get to do it with everybody that is on the app or uh, on the screen with you. And then you get to connect them and meet them. And so you start meeting people that are like-minded and inspiring you and and it just is creating this um, really like positive approach to fitness on a completely different scale. It's not like just showing up to the gym and not knowing what to do anymore. There's content out there for you to connect with and people that can help you do that and be better.
2: I think it's, I'm gonna, two quick things. I think we'll come back to some of it, but I think um, we're like this close to really getting somewhere with all of this data that we've been collecting. Your GPS watches have been recording what you do, your heart rate, all this stuff. But then it was always sort of up to you to do something with it. And we're really close on a lot of these devices to really making meaningful uh, suggestions and coaching advice to you on how to use that data, how to interpret it. Um, That's going to be coming very soon. And the other thing is we've come a long way in, as Mateo hinted at, you know, you can run with your phone. Apple sort of owns the space on your phone and your watch. Um, But that, I ran... 30 years without music, and now that I don't have to carry a music player, it's built into my watch. I don't have to carry my phone, it's built into my watch, and I don't have wires because now I have Bluetooth headphones that are, actually don't suck. Um, it's entirely changed the way people run, and you can, you can actually enjoy the experience and not be burdened by a lot of this crap that we were lugging around for a lot of years. Um, so I think more companies, as they keep catching up, it's going to be a totally different sport for a lot of us.
3: You remember back in the day when we used to run with CD players in our hands?
0: Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I would run with a Did dis- anyone else do that? And it'd bounce around <laughs> You'd in have high to school? like make
3: sure it didn't skip, so be really careful when you ran.
0: <laughs> did anybody else do that? Did it? Yes. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't. You, you wouldn't have it because you, yeah. You Pain have, in the butt. Yeah. No, I did it. Can you imagine that big? Oh, my gosh. Liars we were You're You're
2: pinning it down your shirt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Question about the safety thing, and I'm sure that you guys get asked this a lot on Strava, because you can see like when people start and finish their runs, and I know you have a feature now where you can like block out that start and finish area. Do you see people utilizing that feature a lot on Strava?
4: Yeah. So I just want to clarify something. We we can't see that. Users control who can see it. Um, and so you know, for you, you could say, Hey, I want my husband to see where I'm going. Um, privacy zones that we do have for like your rides that upload after the fact, that's where you know, you're gonna put in public, you may wanna say I don't want people to know exactly where I start. And so we, I do not even know when we did that. It must have been nine years ago when we introduced privacy zones because we realized, um, at the time we were mainly a cycling company and, and probably one of the primary use cases being a San Francisco cycling company was like, you know, you don't, want to, you don't want people to know where your bikes are, right? And, and as we moved into running, we realized, actually, it's, it's a really good safety feature. You just don't want people to know where you live, where you start, and where you finish. Um, and, it, and we do see, I mean, I don't, I, can't, I don't think I can share the numbers, but Beacon, our safety feature, so you can see where people are, people can see you, and then Privacy Zones, like, just skyrocketing. I think especially in the current context of, of data privacy, um, things like Privacy Zones are just kind of paramount. And, and I think it's really on us to learn better ways to educate users on finding these features. So they, you know, so they don't just think that if you get on Strava, people can see everything you want to do. You can make things private, you can, do, you can have multiple privacy zones. Again, just to protect your data, protect your security, and also just make sure you have control of that. And I, I think Strava does a really good job, but I think we can certainly do better.
0: Yeah, and the other thing Strava does that I like is you have ways to make groups so for the groups on Strava, are they just for running and cycling, or can there be groups with other activities, like my weightlifting group, my yoga group, because you can track all those workouts, or my Peloton group, because I know Peloton and Strava have integrated. Yeah. So can you talk about that feature?
4: Yeah, we so we have, we have clubs. Peloton has a huge club on Strava, and so you'll, you know, and that's great. You'll go in there, and you'll see thousands of Peloton people that you don't know, right, which is, which is motivating, but there's also the... The case where you want like just your little social club, so you can say like my four friends, we're going to create a club, and, and they can be whatever sport you want. We see them for all sorts of things, like dog walkers, uh, <laughs> you know, people who push strollers. You know, they, they really just want to kind of narrow the focus within the larger community of Strava, um, and they're free. And we, uh, I mean, clubs have always been sort of like part of our DNA because we know that's that's how people act in the real world, right? Yeah. They have they have their crews, they have their clubs. They're part of NYRR. I um, mean, they're, they're part of Peloton, and they, they want to basically digitize that, and we've, we've certainly seen huge usage of those features.
0: There was a time on my podcast when I was like, we're going to start a Strava group and I'll have another. Never did it. Should I still do it?
4: We well, do it right now. I don't yeah. know. We got time. Oh, yeah. You can <laughs> find
0: everybody up today. Um, one of the other things uh, that the New York Roadrunners is doing that I love is they have global uh, virtual races, where they're really connecting the global running community. Um, I promise I'll move on from you, Mateo, in a second. But I just wanna know how the Roadrunners and Strava work together to create that community and what those virtual races, how meaningful they are to the community.
4: And and I think, just to go back to my engineering side, I'm just gonna throw a couple stats because I think they're really impressive. So this year's um, global run for, for New York run Runners sold out in 12 minutes. 12 minutes. and then. This year, today, so there's a series of virtual runs that New York Road Runners has on Strava. So far this year, 46,000 people have completed them. I mean, that's amazing. 46,000 runners have gone online and said they're going to run a 5K. That's, that's just to me, just mind blowing. I mean, I, I don't know. That's 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 my answer. You know, I'm just going to like drop the numbers and, and run away.
0: <laughs> well, I did the the New York City half virtual half, and it was a time in my life when I wasn't really training for anything, but I. I purposely ran so much faster because for me, I was racing myself. And it's a big motivator, it's a positive thing. Um, And now this is a question for everybody. In the age of the internet, everybody knows there's this comparison trap on Instagram and it's, it's gross and yucky. How do we make this a positive experience? You know, like you can still look at other people's runs and compare yourself. So what is Peloton and Strava and Runner's World? like? What are we doing to make it a positive experience?
3: Well, first and foremost, I think that we have an opportunity with any sort of information to, to use it as, you have your own filtering system. So you can either look at it and be inspired to then get out there yourself and turn off your competitive gene. I know I am. that's a hard thing for me to do. Um, and I'm sure there's many of us out there that are competitive as well. So it's hard not to, to do it, but it's a muscle. So in just like anything else in life, I think you have to teach yourself how not to be uber competitive in, in those moments, but instead flip the script and use it as a way to, to cheer others on, to high five them. I mean, for, our, for example, on our leaderboard, if you guys have ever taken a class, whether you're on the tread, on, on the bike, or even on your app at home, you'll always be able to see in any class that there's you know hundreds, thousands of people taking it with you, and your name is somewhere in those numbers, right? Hopefully, you're like, hopefully I'm number one, but I've never been a number one. I've never been a number one, and I take the classes, okay? So I get it, and, it, and it's hard, but what I tend to do is encourage people, especially while I'm teaching, is to use a leaderboard as a way to high five people. So we integrate this option where you can tap on their face and then give them a high five. So it's like, hey, I see you. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for working out with me. Instead of, I'm going to beat you. Or that might be a thought in the back of your head, but the one that you lead with, that you're just like, let's lead with love. Let's lead with like, I'm so glad that we're all here and we're in this together that's a, a far healthier approach to your fitness journey and in a class aspect too. Uh, it makes it a lot more fun. And then you can, you can keep your, uh, your stats for yourself in a benchmark and maybe go back and take that class. And the next time you take it, still throw a high five out there, but then maybe you're somewhere else and you can see your, your own progress. So self-filter self right there.
0: Don't you guys wanna take her class now? what uh, what's your favorite workout like that you've programmed because isn't that how it works that the instructors program different workouts do you have a favorite always yes
3: well I love running Uh, obviously I'm a a running (laughs) instructor but I love a boot camp because it combines strength training and running Um, so I think my favorite is this 45 minute advanced boot camp Um, it is a no joke I also came from a gymnastics and dance background, so everything feels very uh, fun. It's not your standard squat, press, row, push, pull. Um, I like to think outside of the box and and get on and off the tread uh, several times. I like to throw in speed and power and um, body weight and control and stability and everything that you kind of need to be a well-rounded athlete. I think anyone that works out or has a body is an athlete, so when you show up and you take my class, that's how I, I call, address you. Um, and it just, it gives you a different relationship with your body, I think it's super duper fun. So boot camps are my favorite, they're really fun, they keep everything moving, you're changing nonstop. Um, so I, if you can't tell from that, I get bored fast um, doing one thing. <laughs> I'm working on my long runs, Jeff, I promise.
2: I don't, I don't know <laughs> what these other workouts you're talking about, weights.
0: Right? Jeff's what, what, coming to my next book. <laughs> he is yeah. coming on Monday, isn't he? Or, or somebody's I'm, I'm doing a class. Yeah, yes. I'm going on Monday. Yeah. yeah.
4: That's exciting. See how many push-ups I could do. Or
0: <laughs> okay, Aim Rebecca, up. top three. Like, If you were like, I'm creating a class right now, top three songs that would be on the playlist. Oh, well, I'm a
3: hip-hop junkie.
0: So I
3: always throw on some Lil Wayne right above it. Anyone watch Ballers? Like you know what I'm talking about. Um, and then I would throw on, oh gosh, some Rage. I love if I'm gonna go th- throw some sprints down. I need to listen to some Rage Against the Machine. And then I think my third one would be, oh my gosh, this is a hard question to ask me on the spot. I know.
0: Lindsay. I know. Embrace the silence, guys.
3: This is a big choice right here. So I'm going to go back to hip-hop, and I would say it would probably be... Nas one mic.
0: This is such an I don't important know why. Question. I feel so...
3: That's, just, that's where I'm at right now.
0: This is deep. It in could her be soul. different in
3: five seconds.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, I'd love to know. I, I assume a lot of people here in this audience are longer distance runners. Are most of us longer distance runners? Yes. Who, who's run a marathon in the crowd? Okay. Um, do you? My question is: for someone whose main thing is a runner, like my main thing is getting my five runs in a week, doing my long run, how do, does Peloton? get those distance runners like Jeff, that's who I'm looking at, to be excited about Peloton? Of course, I mean, one thing that we just launched back in June
3: that I'm super proud of and very excited about is our marathon training program. Uh, We took six months to develop and produce this. Um, So having been behind the scenes from the ideation phase to the launch phase and now seeing all of our users and members actually using the program to train for chicago for berlin for um for new york and it's been really exciting so i developed all the strength programs for it we have robin our zone we have matt Wolpers and bex gentry all like i think they have 30 marathons under their belts uh collectively um some are really really fast bex is a 241 marathoner and um, and you know i think everyone's experience put into this program and it's built for beginners and it can be adapted for more experienced runners. So even if you have done one before, you can completely make it your own. We have all of our speed work in there for your tempo runs, for your hills. We have playlists for your long runs and we have really um, fun moments where like our uh, yoga instructors will do some meditations for your pre-run. Uh, we'll also have pre-run warm-ups. You'll have race day motivation. So there's so many different ways to stay um, integrated in the app. And also, you have a structure from day one to your race day to know exactly what, what to do to get yourself there um, in a strong, healthy way, right? So this is... Um, it's been super cool to see everyone like using it and we dropped it in like batches. So they finished their first batch, they got their second one. They're like in it and they're and they're getting strong. They're getting their longer runs in. They're going for it. So you have a coach in your ear for days 1 through 5. Day 6 or 7, whatever day, you know, you choose to do your long run. We encourage you to learn to be able to do it without a coach in your ear. We give you that playlist But for race day, we want you to be able to know that you're gonna be out there and you need to be able to do it solo. You'll be with like the energy of the crowd, but uh, yeah, I think we we give plenty of of ways for you to feel encouraged and supported to do your long run on your own, even if it's not on the tread or with an instructor in your ear for four hours. (laughs)
0: Well, yeah, because I, th- I don't know that everybody knows that you can do the app just, like, out on a run and not be on the treadmill and still have the instructor giving you instruction and having the awesome playlists. I'm not trying to take credit for the marathon idea, but I was when I was prepping for this interview, I was like, they should really have a marathon training program. So, I mean, Voila. maybe I was part of it so sublimi- The cool thing is, though, I, and, and the
3: reason I was super excited that uh, Mateo was going to be on here, too, is because... We started last June, I don't know if you guys saw on the, when we relaunched our, our Peloton Digital. We launched outdoor then. Um, so we, having the ability to like connect your um, Strava to it, you'll be able to have a coach in your ear, the music in your ear. You can do a 30minute hit run. You can do a 60minute marathon race prep class. So there's all different levels, there's lengths of classes, there's music in your ear, there's a coach there for motivation and guidance, and then you can still track it. So you get all of your metrics and the things that a runner really wants, like I've been using apps and watches and devices for so many years, and I think that that you need it in order to progress, in order to, to get better, especially if you're training for something, it's like great to go out there and have fun, but sometimes you need metrics to know where to go next, what your next move is.
0: Yeah, and the cool thing about Peloton, too, is it gives people access who I'm using myself as an example. Like, I'm a last-minute person. Yesterday, I was like, we're going to go to a 5.45 p.m. Robin class. And they're like, you're signed up, right? (laughs) I'm like, no, I just want to sign up today and go to the class. But that's just the whole point. Not everybody is a planner, so that's why Peloton is so great, because if you actually had access to this, this app or the bike or the tread at your home, you can just do it and still be with those live people. Now, you have a Peloton at Runner's World, don't you?
2: We sent it back. Oh, oh, ah! They wanted did. it.
0: Oh, <laughs> but did you get on uh, it? It was a test it? loaner,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Tell I, us yeah. about it. Uh, so, I, I I hate a treadmill. I really do not like running on treadmills. Um, I, I totally value them as a training tool, especially parents with children or people who don't live where you can run on sidewalks in the winter like we have here, Um, they're they're great. For me, I'd rather run outside. But I jumped on the treadmill, tested it out. We test test treadmills all the time, so I'm on them enough. Um, And it was fun. I was like, the first time I went to Mile High, you're like, this is cool. And yeah, I'm a little bit competitive, so I was at the top of the leaderboard that class, just saying. And I shouldn't have been that day, but, um, you know, and I went back and did more runs, and I was like, okay, I didn't really care where I fit in. I was following along with the workouts, but the instructors they there bringing energy, which is a kind of a hard thing to think you're going to get in your own home is somebody actually motivating you, but it really happens. Uh, and the machine's beautiful, so that didn't hurt. Um, it runs really, really well.
0: Yeah, and Rebecca was really part of, like, the planning stages of what this treadmill was actually going to be. Uh, so can you... One thing I love is that it goes from like zero to sixty in a in a hot second. So like if you wanted to do some strides at the end of your run or you wanna do some quick hit intervals, you can do that. Can you talk about how you were part of that design team and what that looked like? Yeah, I was
3: I was really fortunate to have been brought on before the studio existed, before the tread had been um, you know, completed. So I was working with the hardware and software developers and they from a from a engineering standpoint, they have their own ideas of what it would what it should look like, what it, how to make it sleek, and and how it's going to be uh, you know really state of the art. But I brought what a runner needs and what a user would want. So the I feel like I hate to use this word because it doesn't sound super sexy, but ergonomic. <laughs> it's super. the chair is great for your back. Um, but when you're running. And I had taught treadmill workouts for six years before then, and I hated the fact that I had a lag time when I either pressed a number or had to type in my speed. It was like, you know, 8.2, enter. It didn't read something. Enter, clear, enter, whatever. So I was. I told him I want something really simple, fun, and that's how we came up with our knobs. It was, it's my favorite part of the tread, so if you haven't been on one before, there's a speed knob on your right hip incline on. A, uh, knob on your left hip and you can just roll them forward or backward so it's like driving a stick I don't know how to drive one but if it if I did it would be like that um, so y- we also not just like making it easy so you don't have to reach forward and change your position during your run you're still upright it's close enough by your hips so when your arms are actually in their right gait you just your hand can glide right over it so it feels nor normal um, it's super fun we also have jump buttons so if you want to just click Click up to the next whole number. Um, so there's still some things that you can have familiar from other treadmills before um, that we brought, but we didn't want you to have to have a panel in front of you that you were typing in like you were in a spaceship. Now everything is at your, at your side. So it feels really good, the belt feels awesome. I wanted something that it didn't stretch. Nothing is worse than an overstretched belt if you've ever been on one they skip. Um, but this also, and Jeff mentioned it, it feels good because the, the slat belt absorbs a lot of the shock and then you're, you have to do a lot of the work. So there is, I think sometimes what we miss is the translation between outdoor running and treadmill running is that how much are you doing the propulsion? How much are you doing your, your own work? Uh, and this is as close as you get to actually feeling yourself doing, doing the work but you don't have the wear and tear on your joints. So it, I mean, I run on it every day and I never have been able to run this much, this many miles on a treadmill before because it, it, it hurt my joints, but now I can. So it kind of, I chalk up a lot of my extra mileage to the tread itself.
0: Does anybody want a ped, uh, Peloton treadmill now? Because I do. <laughs> and Me too. Yeah. All right, Jeff, so uh, everything's online these days, including Runner's World. So how have you guys, like, what has it been like to shift from me getting a Runner's World at my front door every single month to everything I'm taking in from Runner's World is now online, and how do you guys work to cultivate the community online?
2: Yeah, so when I first started at Runner's World, it was, we built a magazine, and then we took those articles, and we just put them on the website with a couple little news stories. Um, But now we know that there's actually very little overlap between readers of the print magazine and online. Very, very few. Um, Yeah, so we have different audiences. So we write different stories to different places. Um, We actually think about the story now, uh, depending on the medium. So if we're going to do something with Instagram alone, it's gonna be a different execution than what we might do on the website or in print. Um, And it might be the same story that we're repackaging in three different ways to work with the community wherever we're at. Um, that's a really big deal. And then we also know what works for people. So with the magazine, people are spending a little more time with it. They're a little bit more immersed in it and engaged with um, something like Facebook. We might provoke a conversation a little bit more because we know people are going to talk there. And then on say Instagram, it's all about motivation. So if you look at the, the stories and posts we're doing there, it's, I mean, just everything's feel good there. We're not really hitting you with some of the other stories that we'll do online that are more newsy or whatever. Um, So it's really changed the way that we write to people and talk with people and engage with runners. Um, It's also giving us a unique opportunity to talk with um, all types of runners too. So we're not, we used to get a lot of criticism that the magazine was for beginners. And you know, you read it one year and the same story pops up the next year, right? And that was always because we had new runners generally You know, every year. People come to it all the time. And they haven't seen that story, although you have. But so we got criticized for being, you know, very new runner-focused. We can talk to runners at all levels now with all the tools we have. And we know where they're coming to uh, read our content. So um, it's really changed the way that we're able to be. We're no longer just a magazine. Um, We're doing events. We're doing products. We're doing a lot of different things. So Runner's World is now a bigger brand than just a magazine. But content is still first and foremost for us.
0: Yeah, I remember when people like bloggers in the running world would do these like runners world. There was like was there like the runners world half marathon and there would be meetups. Do you guys it's still do It's coming up next month. Okay, are you still doing that and like are there bloggers in attendance and things like that? Is it the same events?
2: It is. Uh, yeah, we do a 5 and a 10K on Saturday, a trail race on Friday, kids races, dog races, a half marathon on Sunday. Um, so we have a whole festival a weekend that's just entirely exhausting and thrilling all at the same time. Um, And it's out in our backyard in Pennsylvania, in Bethlehem. Um, It's about an hour and 15 minute bus ride out of here if anybody wants to come. Um, Come spend the weekend with the, we have leaves and turning trees out there, something that you don't see in the city. Uh, Yeah.
0: What are each of you most excited about? In 10 years, what do you think this space is gonna look like? And what are you most excited about what can happen?
2: I think um, in 10 years, from the, we were talking technology, so I hinted at it a little bit earlier, making meaningful recommendations, but in 10 years, I would love to wake up in the morning and for my system, whether it's Strava or whatever, to look and say, you've got a meeting with your boss today, and we notice on weeks when you have a meeting with your boss, you don't work out that day. So, work out today because your mood improves and you're going to, you know, it basically just predicts everything that I need to do and makes meaningful recommendations instead of just being a very simple algorithm that it throws out to everybody. Um, that's insane to think that it's going to do that, but um, technology has come a long way really fast. Uh, so I think these tools are just going to get better and better and not just be things that we're slaves to, but actually have positive impact on our lives.
0: Yeah, would, would everybody agree? I, I feel, and I wonder if you guys would agree that when I know that my run is gonna get uploaded to Strava, or if I were a Peloton user that I was gonna see that, that motivates me to know that it's gonna be there. Am I alone here, or do you, would you guys agree? Yeah, it feels really good, and it's not even about necessarily the external validation of other people seeing it, it's just that like, I wanna see it, I wanna look at my splits, I wanna be proud of my splits, so it's a really cool thing. Okay, what did you guys think about that question?
4: Yeah, so I I would just add on to that, I I think there's, there's two trends, particularly in running that we see that are definitely emerging in 10 years. I, adaptive training, I like to call it robo-coaching. I think that, I think that's going to fill the gap for a lot of people who, you know, n- no offense to like you read a, R- R- Runner's World Magazine it says to do these 10 things. Well, what if you get sick? You know, what if you have kids? What if the schedule happens? You can you can maybe do that, but wouldn't it be nice if, you know, a computer could do this really basic thing of like a co- something a coach can easily say like, you know, you're really tired. You should probably not run today, right? This isn't, I want to say this isn't rocket science. It's computer science. It is, but it's not. The, these apps are out there, and they're emerging, and they're really exciting. I would say they're still, you know, give them a few few years before it kind of reaches reaches the masses, and and I think it's actually going to only make real coaching that more valuable. And In the same way, robo-advising didn't kill stockbrokers, right? It, it actually helped them because people started with the, the robo-advisors, and they moved on if, if they needed to on the, the more advanced level, and people who were always at the top stayed at the top. And I think the other thing to go along with the robo-coaching is um, these devices, I don't know if anybody was on the run with me today, but I had one on my foot which calculated um, running power. And I think these metrics are going to come out like the devices probably need a few more years. I mean, there's some really cool science going on there, some really cool stuff. But you can really see the potential and you can, you really understand as a runner, pace is great. Right? Someone says, I'm going to run an eight minute mile or whatever, and then you hit a hill. You're running that eight minute mile, like that's, that's a pretty good effort. You know, all of a sudden you hit sand or you hit wind and these devices, running power in particular, has, has the capability to basically um, standardize that, right? So your coach or your robo-coach and, the, and you know, Siri's voice can say, today you need to do 300 watts for five minutes. And you'll hold that and it'll be regardless of terrain, you'll get the workout you're supposed to do. Right? And I think that's actually really cool. I, I think that one's a little further out, but like you play with it, the potential's there, and then you like it's a really windy day, and you're like, oh, you let me down, robo-coach. But um, it's, it's getting there.
0: Is there anything coming up very soon that Strava's doing that we would maybe want to know about as users?
4: Uh, very, I mean, I would say there's stuff now that you probably don't know about. It's funny, Paula totally. and I were talking about some of the cool things that we, we demo as, as Strava employees and, and we were just showing this. We have this really cool feature, it's going to be hard to demo here, but you can pull up the map and you're like, oh, I've never been in New York and you can basically trace your finger around a circle, like around Central Park and it'll, based on aggregate data of where people actually run, it'll create a detailed map for you that you can follow. It'll snap to the trails or the road or whatever. It's buried like six clicks within Strava. It's one of these things that's been out for almost a year, <laughs> you know. And like the, the usage, the people who know it love it. But the fact is, like again, we just need to get it out there, you know. The what we talked about earlier with the the escape plan. We have a new type of streaks. Yeah, there, there's the demo. Oh
0: wait.
2: Oh, it's building my route. It's taking time. Oh, right? Yeah. Wow. yeah and you, get, you can get
4: that route and you can edit it. So if you're like, actually, and then I want to add a you know, little circle to go to Starbucks, or whatever. You can, you can do that on the fly. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And, it, and it's here now. And we. I think the future of us is to really expose a lot of the stuff Strava has done that people just don't know about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was talking to Mateo about this earlier. I've been a Strava user since, I don't know, maybe 2013, and I use it for very few things. Like, I didn't know that feature. Um, Yeah, the other thing I was gonna say about Strava though that I just learned this morning is you can look up your user number so if you've been a user for a really long time, like when I told him I thought I started in 2013, he wanted to know if I was in the thousands because it's like a big deal if you're a six-digit number still. So go home and look on your computer and see what your number is when you get home. Uh, that's, that's interesting. It's a bragging
4: yeah. right. Yeah. Paul, what are you? Oh. It's no bragging rights there. Yeah, no bragging rights there. Sorry, Paul.
0: Nine million? <laughs> How many users are there?
4: We're at uh, over 45 million at this point. Yeah, we we add another million every 30 days. So yeah, we're we're growing pretty good these days. That's
0: incredible. (laughs) Okay, I have one more kind of like bigger question, but I want to read this quote. I put a call out on Instagram uh, to see if anybody had any comments or questions about Strava, Peloton, or Runner's World. And my friend Jess, who I met Jess at a 50 mile race, not one that I was doing, one that my husband was doing. She drove out to this race all by herself. She's the mom of three. I think it was her first 50 miler and like stayed in this like, we all stayed in this like rinket ink, like old school hotel. Like, I basically, I'm saying I would be terrified to stay there by myself. So, this is a woman who like I was inspired by from the second I met her. And she was doing a 50 mile race. So, she's clearly a very experienced runner. So this is what she says when I asked the question. She says, I'm a Peloton user. I love running with Rebecca and all the Peloton instructors. Their audio classes help me focus when I'm running outside and calm me. I have been having serious anxiety when I would head outside to run and the audio workout stopped my mind from wandering down the what if rabbit hole I had been experiencing. That's so cool. Like, she didn't didn't even have a question. She just wanted you to know that. And, like, that's not someone who's new to running who has never ran a mile and needs help running a mile. So my question, my follow-up question with that is, does anybody have a specific story on, like, how someone's life has changed through your programming?
3: I mean, that obviously brought a crazy smile to my face. I love hearing um, those types of stories. And I think we end up hearing them similar stories quite often, um, ones where you don't realize because when when we're teaching these classes and you see hundreds of people on the leaderboard and eventually thousands of people have been taking these classes, we don't get to know your journey until you, you send them back to us. So I first of all want to thank your friend Jess for even saying that because that means the world and I'm glad that she, we're able to do that for her. That's so cool. Um, you know, I think there has been one where I've had friends or this one woman reached out and she ended up coming to the studio to take a class and, and this is the weekend before homecoming. Uh, homecoming is a weekend where we invite all of our members. Um, we open up 3,000 spots to all of our Peloton members to show up for the weekend in New York. You're shaking your head yes, have you gone to one before you know about it? Yeah, right. So it's super fun. It's really cool where we have a three-day weekend uh, events every single day. You can go take classes at all the studios and then at separate places where we have, you know, throw down strength and cardio workouts with all of our trainers. You get to meet one-on-one. You get to ask the questions. You get to listen to panels and to lectures and to learn different um, self-care routines and stretching and everything. It's a really great moment for our members to meet each other. So if you've been working out... Um, at home, and you see the same people on the leaderboard around you in every class. You show up to take Alex's hip hop ride every Tuesday night and, and you know, knows no boundaries is on you know the, the leaderboard in front of you, and you guys see, see each other every single time. Going to homecoming, you get to meet them. But I remember this one woman came to me and, and she, she said that throughout her battle with cancer, she was taking a class something, you know every single day. And wanted to celebrate that she is now cancer-free, and that Peloton was—it was a linchpin in her recovery. And in those moments where it's like, "What? Like, whoa! I didn't even realize I was part of your journey. Um, you did it. You, you did this. You did it, and uh, and survived. And um, you're the strong person. And I'm so glad that I and the rest of my team get to be a part of your journey with you. But those are those are just. Um, Gosh, like really powerful and, and super like warm, fuzzy stories that we get to hear, and they happen regularly. Like I think it's, it's more often than not, and I'm uh, just really honored that I get to
0: be a part of that. <laughs> I love that. It's more than just a workout. Did you guys have any comments?
2: Yeah, for us, I mean, that seeing people's lives transformed through running is something we hear about and, and work on every single day. It's the, you know, well, we can talk about the technology that's gonna make us faster and the competitive angle of it. Um, that's all great but what I really want is I want every single person here to walk and run and move it's the best medicine we have it'll improve our healthcare system like the more than there are more people in this country that are sick than are healthy adults that's scary and the best way to change that is to move get off your ass and walk five days a week 30 minutes a day if you can run great move and we see this time and time again people drop hundreds of pounds. People shed all of their medications. People go from depressed to over the moon. People change uh, addictions. They give up drugs and they take up running. Um, it, it absolutely fundamentally changes lives. So that thing, if you can join up with a group and make it a part of your life and you know, just have people there that are relying on you to show up, you're gonna stick with it. And those are the stories that we can tell every single day and we do and they're the ones that really fire me up more than the competitive side of the sport which I love but um, I think it's not going to do a whole lot for this country like these other stories will and with the technologies and the tools that we have to be able to tell these stories and hear them and interact with people that are going through this it's just amazing it's one of the best things we can do right
4: now yeah I there's certainly one I'd like to think about it's kind of on the the lighter side of things but. so we, we had a co-worker who was on vacation uh, up in Washington State. And he was out running. He's a pretty fast guy, but he was just kind of cruising around. And his, his watch actually told him there was a segment nearby, like a popular segment. I think it was called like North Road Lake or something like that. It was like 0.75 miles and it was uphill. He's, you know, he's like, OK, I'm just going to go for it. So he, he hits it. I think his time was like 350 minutes. And he got what we call the, the, um, the KOM or the personal best, basically. So he got the fastest known time for that segment. He didn't think of it, went back on his vacation. What he didn't realize is there was a local who had that segment before and was like, wasn't happy that's an out-of-towner took his segment time, right? The thing is, this guy um, used to be fast, but he know he had kids, he got out of the cycle of running, but he wasn't about to let this out-of-towner take a segment, and not like in a bad way. I mean, I think that's the thing, like, what's different with Instagram or like other things. I think sport really makes competition in a healthy way, right? So this guy, over the course of two months, got off, literally got off the couch, found time with his family commitments, not only started running again, but took the segment back by three seconds, right? And then when he did, the coworker went on his activity and gave him kudos and said, that's amazing, man, like, that's great. And then they kind of became Strava friends. And to me, I think it's the, the power support, and, and I think it's, it's an honor that we can digitize this and really just bring what's an awesome social group to the, to the greater world. I mean, I was thinking about this today, like, we're, you're running... There's no politics on Strava, which makes it nice. Like, you're never gonna just go run up to somebody and be like, hey, what do you think about abortion? Like, it it doesn't apply, right? And so we're lucky that it doesn't, like, spill over to Strava either. People are there to be like, man, that's awesome. You're super fast, or whatever your speed is, it doesn't matter. It's like, that's just the effort is what's cool. I want to recognize that, and I want that to be recognized in me. And I think that's, again, it really is a privilege to be able to help that that conversation.
0: So good, I love it, yes. Um, I, as I was sitting here listening to them wrap up, I think that for me the resounding themes were like community, and if you're not a part of one, find one. If you, if there's someone that is maybe from the outside, do you know people in your life? They're like from the outside looking in. You think they might want to be part of this world, but they don't know how to get their foot in the door. It's people like us, people that are in this room, that are sitting on the stage, that can help cultivate those. Those communities, because there are so many people out there that say, "Oh, I'm not a runner," but then they tell you about the three-mile run they just did, and you're like, "No, you are a runner." Um, and then I think for those people also, like seeing people like us try new things, like the new, like I haven't done Peloton, and now I'm sitting here, I want to try Peloton. So anyway, those are the those are the resounding themes that, as I was sitting here soaking it in, I was thinking. Build more community, try new things, encourage people to get in on what we what we have discovered and what we all love here. That's why we're all here is running and, and the technology there. So thank you guys so much for being here. And thank you guys. Thank you for having us.
1: I'm, I'm not gonna let them out of the hot seat yet. Mateo, Rebecca and Jeff, thank you so much for your insight.
0: All right, friends, thanks so much for joining us today. You can find information on anything we talked about in the show notes at lindseyhine.com. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine 626 Make sure you check out my new podcast network on Instagram as well, Sandy Boy Productions. The website will be up soon. Next week, episode 200. I can't even believe it. Really excited to put out my 200th episode. It just feels crazy and. I was talking to Glenn about it today and I said, I feel like I need to do something special. And he said, you know, it's really cool that you've gotten to 200, but it's also just a number. So just keep doing your thing. I think I was secretly trying to convince him to come on and do the 200th episode with me. Anyway, thankful you are all are here. Thankful to have you listening. And if you enjoyed this conversation, I would appreciate it if you would Consider sharing it on social media and head over to iTunes or wherever you listen, whatever podcast app you listen on and leave a rating and review. And I think that's all I got. I think that's all I got for you today. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.